0: That's great. Anyway, I'll wait for Federico's cue now. Now that I've okay, we're ready. That's good. Well, it's great to see everybody here today. And uh, as you can see, I'm I'm kind of beardless. Uh, that was because of a, a, a trimming error. So, <laughs> you know, some days it has to happen. But that's okay. If you have your Bible with you, let's turn to two places: Habakkuk chapter three and uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And because we're a little chilly in here, I'll try not to preach for my normal hour and a half or two hours. No, I don't preach that long. Uh, but uh, anyway, before we, before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. I pray now that you'd speak to our hearts in the power of your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that your Holy Spirit will rest on me to bring your word to your people today, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We're going to Habakkuk chapter 3. Actually, it's one of the greatest passages of the Old Testament, in my opinion. And uh, this is a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet, uh, according to Shigangath. O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from demon and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of cushion and affliction, the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You thrust the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors, who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. I hear and my body trembles. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. To the choir master with stringed instruments. And then to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 to 16. The writer was talking about Abraham and all those that had come before him Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. May God bless to us this reading from his word. Now, this is the last in the the series I've been doing for the last few months called Ancient Words for a New Day. And we've been talking about this new day that we're in because I think all of us have a feeling, and we felt this for some time, that this is a new time. It's a new day in the earth, uh, unlike anything that our generation has experienced. Now, we know it's not unlike anything before, but it's unlike anything that our generations really have quite experienced uh, in this day. And we wonder, you know, does God have anything to say? And certainly he has. And he's spoken to us, and he's spoken to us through the words of the Old Testament, uh, throughout these last few months and even into today. And when you think about the nature of the new day that we're in, I mean, just let me mention a few things. You know, COVID has completely disrupted our lives globally. Now the Omicron mutation of COVID has emerged and now it's threatening people all over again. Uh, the One of the air ambulance charities that works in the Southeast has been called out for 379 stabbings in the last few years. 2021 is poised to become the worst year in London since 2008 for youth knife violence, youth knife death. Families in the States, now I'm not picking on here, so families in the US, this just destroyed me, families in the US decided Many families decided not to get together for Thanksgiving this past week for the holiday because they were so divided over politics that they thought that they would get into arguments and they were saying, that, well, I don't want to be with my family if they're going to support whatever party that they happen to support. We're dealing with open hypocrisy in our world. You've got to insulate Britain leaders who haven't even insulated their own homes. You have extinction rebellion leaders who are driving diesel cars. You have you have the cop 20 was it cop 26? It was the 26, 24, whatever the cop was that was just here. It was a cop out. Do you know how many of the leaders, uh, hundreds of leaders, flew in their private jets to go to the climate change summit in Glasgow? What hypocrisy. Well, we have church leaders that are increasingly exposed for adultery, financial impropriety, or abuse of power. Inflation is increasing, but there's a lack of will from any of the central banks to increase the interest rates, which would certainly decrease inflation. And this is leading now to people who have equities, who are in the stock market. They're getting richer while people who have saved their money are seeing their savings deteriorate. Russia has effectively initiated an alternate kind of war against the West, against Europe. Russia has an agenda is trying to destabilize Europe right now and is threatening an invasion of the Ukraine that some people think might happen in January. People now across the globe, are celebrating the acceptance of behaviors that people across the globe once acknowledged as sinful and broken. China itself is now increasing the perfection of the surveillance state while increasing its military and the crackdown on its people and on churches and on Christians. And many people are expecting them to invade Taiwan. Crimes against churches have increased rapidly in the UK over the lockdowns and the pandemic, along with an increase of persecution in various areas around the globe. We have civil war, unrest, and brokenness, Syria, Yemen, Sudan, Ethiopia, North Korea, Boko Haram in West Africa, Bosnia, Belarus, Myanmar, not to mention the unrest that and protests we saw in Europe and all the junk we're seeing in the United States. The escalating refugee crisis and asylum seeker crisis. You have the uh, uh, Kutapalong refugee camp in Bangladesh that has over one million refugees in it. The largest refugee camp in the world right now. What's going on at the border of Belarus and what we've seen, the tragedy in the English Channel. Just this last week, we have a loss of civil society, canceling people. We have parking raids. Did you see that? A guy murdered two people over a parking spot. It caused me to repent of my attitudes uh, quite strongly. Because I'm like, golly, I mean, I, I thought I was bad, but I'm not that bad, you know. We have uh, the the, the <laughs> we've got the inability for people just to disagree. Labeling people as racists, or some kind of phobes. You got the government that seems increasingly ineffective at leading and dealing with the issues we're facing. And by the way, no government could, really. We have rising inequality and dishonest weights and measures that make it increasingly difficult for people to thrive economically. But uh, people are not educated about how economics work, so they don't know how to thrive. The younger generations now are being disadvantaged. And most people are finding it difficult to succeed in their lives. You know, it seems to me that just a few years ago, everything seemed to be going well. We were talking about globalization and expansion and all kinds of things happening. But suddenly, it seems like everything's changing. Our world really is being shaken right now. And I know a lot of people. That are questioning their lives right now they're searching for meaning now you know me you know I'm a hopeful guy I was hoping I wouldn't depress you all too much to think oh, let's just roll over and die you know uh, I'm a very hopeful guy but we are living in a world that's being shaken in a world that's in transition in a new day and we need to understand how do we live in this new day because it is unlike anything that we have gone through. It is unlike anything that we know. And does the Bible have anything to say about it? It's a big question, which obviously, if I ask that question, you've got to know the answer is certainly yes, because you look at Habakkuk. And when you consider the life of Habakkuk, the writer of this, the passage that we read, Habakkuk chapter 3, he lived in a world that's very much like our world. It was an in-between time of great turmoil and upheaval when it seemed his world was being shaken in every way possible. He lived during the reign of Josiah, who was a righteous king who brought real flourishing to Judah. He was living during that time. He grew up during that time. But then Josiah was killed in a battle. And so he continued to live, under the time of the King Jehoiakim, you can read about Jehoiakim in 2 Kings 24. And this guy was a wicked king who loved money, who loved pleasure, who brought religious and moral corruption to Judah, to Jerusalem, who also rebelled against Babylon, who were the overlords at that time, which led to the invasion of the nation and the destruction of the nation. And Habakkuk is living through this whole situation. In a short time, the deplorable conditions that Josiah had worked so hard to correct, they came back. And Jehoiakim filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. And so you hear, you you have Habakkuk there witnessing the oppression of the righteous by the unrighteous, the oppression of righteous Jews by wicked Jews during this time, And that gives rise to this prophetic book. And he's calling out and said, God, you know, what are you doing here? I mean, this is really bad. And it's getting worse. And then God says, hey, I'm going to send the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, and I'm going to have the Babylonians come, and they're going to punish Judah and Jerusalem. And then (laughs) Habakkuk said, God, how in the world can you do that? The Babylonians are worse than we are. How can you use the Babylonians to discipline your people? And so he's really struggling with the Lord, and he's he's really challenging the Lord, and they're having some conversation. And, you know, he prophesied prophesied that eventually the Babylonians would be destroyed, which they were. But but he wasn't going to see it, and so he's really wrestling with all of this. He's really questioning God. And he prophesied this judgment that would come. But it didn't happen in his lifetime. So he lived from a season where the country was flourishing, where things were going quite well materially and spiritually, into a season where it seemed the world was being shaken and falling apart, politically, economically, spiritually, and socially. According to one legend, Habakkuk died just two years before the return of the exiles from Babylon. What a time to be alive. You know, he's been called the prophet of faith. And when you read the whole book, I mean, he possessed a strong living faith in, in God in Yahweh. But he was troubled and perplexed by what was going on, just like we're troubled and perplexed by what's going on in our world, what's happening in our lives. You know, he had two unswerving convictions in his prophecy the supremacy of Yahweh, the universal supremacy of God, and that faithfulness, living faithfulness, is our guarantee of permanency. It's our guarantee that we're going to go on. You know, I really wonder about this guy. Did he feel like a failure? I mean, we call him today a minor prophet. Here he prophesies all this stuff. He sees the destruction of his world, but doesn't see its restoration. He's like a lot of the people there that the writer in uh, Hebrews talks about in Hebrews chapter 11, the people of faith. And you can hear the echoes of his times into our times. And you know, and I almost wonder if I look sometimes at my life like Habakkuk looked at his life. And the question comes, how we live in this reality? How do we live? And I think Habakkuk's song of faith, and it was intended to be a song sung, but I think Habakkuk's song of faith speaks a lot to us about how we live and what we need to do in this time where our world is falling apart and you have more questions than answers. It's the longest sermon title I think I've ever read, written. But I couldn't shorten it. You know? How do, what do you do? I'd like to suggest four things briefly. And it's what Habakkuk says he will do. The first is found there in verse 2. We can say, I will pray for God's revival and God's merciful compassion amidst the shaking of our world i will pray for god to revive his work and for god to show his merciful compassion amidst the shaking in our world Uh, it says there in wrath remember mercy that word wrath does not necessarily mean that god is angry Uh, that word wrath can also mean something that's being shaken quite violently and so Habakkuk is here praying. He says, God, in the midst of this shaking, as it seems like you're shaking our world, remember your mercy. And mercy is this this feeling you get from inside that wells up where you want to express kindness and love and gentleness toward other people. It's, you know, I I see that on on Jovan's face when he looks at Evie. You know, that kind of mercy that just comes up. You, You look at that with your children and 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 others and God show us that mercy so we need to commit ourselves to be praying God please revive your work I know what you've done in the past I know how you've moved so powerfully in the past I know how you've restored people revive that work and Lord in in the midst of this shaking show us your mercy show us your compassion because God is good even in the midst of the challenges we face. That's the first thing Habakkuk's song calls us to. The second thing is verses 3 to 15. I will remember and proclaim the majesty and transcendence of God. I will remember and proclaim. And by proclaim, I mean we need to talk about it. We need to remind ourselves That God is transcendent that God is majestic that God is all-powerful one of the most helpful times I had when I was in the hospital I was feeling so depressed and so discouraged and and I really at at that moment almost wish I'd die Uh, and I called my friend Chris many of you met Chris he was here in the summer when it was a lot warmer and I called my friend Chris uh, I just felt like in the Lord I need to call Chris and uh, I called him up and he, he said some words over me and, and and prayed for me and it was basically like God is sovereign I mean that's the thrust of what he said God is sovereign buck up and you know it transformed my mind in a moment we have to continually Proclaim that despite the fact that we're freezing, God is sovereign. God is on the throne, no matter what. And we do this, we proclaim that God is glorious and majestic. That's verses 3 and 4. We proclaim that God is almighty, and he's terrifying. Now that's verses 5 to 12. And let me tell you, God is terrifying. And we proclaim that God acts for the salvation of his people. And he certainly does that. And that's verses 13 to 15. So we pray. We pray for God's revival and merciful compassion amidst the shaking. We remember and proclaim the majesty and transcendence of God to one another. The third one, i will rest securely in confidence that the lord will act i will rest securely in confidence that the lord will act that's verse 16. habakkuk made the commitment there he's not going to be anxious even though he might be trembling uh, with intensity because of what is happening around him he says I am going to wait quietly and wait quietly here in this context means rest in the Lord so we rest in God's sovereignty we rest in God's power we rest in the faithfulness of God we rest in the love of God we remember that no matter if it seems like everything else around us is falling apart God does not fall apart God is there God is stable I will pray for God's revival. And I will pray for God's merciful compassion. I will remember and proclaim the majesty and transcendence of God. I will rest securely in confidence that the Lord will act. And the fourth thing, this is verses 17 to 19, I will rejoice in the Lord who is my strength i will rejoice in the lord who is my strength now how do you do that i love this but i'm actually going to read it again though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls yet i will rejoice in the lord i think it's one of the most beautiful passages of the scripture. What is he saying here? Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Habakkuk is saying here very strongly, I will not judge my life by its produce, yields, or numbers. That's what he says. I am not going to judge my life based on what I produce with it. I'm not going to judge my life based on how much I seem how how well I seem to do. I am not going to judge my life based on the numbers, my bank account, the number of houses I have, the number of holidays I have, the number of friends I have on whatever social media. I'm not going to judge my life by these things. If you judge your life by those things, especially in a time like where we live, You will always be disappointed. You will always be discouraged. And you will not be able to endure. You must not do this. And that's what Habakkuk is saying here. I will not judge my life by its produce, its yields, or its numbers. What I will do, though, is I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. What he's saying is, I'm going to express the joy that's in my being for my salvation. The joy of knowing that I belong to Jesus. Of course, he wouldn't have said Jesus because Jesus came after But that's for us. The joy of knowing that I belong to Jesus, that I belong to God, that I've been called by God, that I've been set apart as part of his kingdom, that I am loved by God, that God doesn't value me based on my yields, my produce, my numbers, that God doesn't do that. He loves me for who I am. I'm going to rejoice in that. And I'm going to express my joy in my God. I'm going to express my joy in my God with singing and with shouting. And it's not quiet singing here. It's not quiet shouting here. You can't shout quietly. Sorry that I'm shouting. But I'm joyful in the Lord. I can't help but do it. It's unnatural not to shout. Just like it's unnatural when England goes to the, the World Cup the next time and they're in the final and they score the winning goal. What are you going to do? You're going to say, Wow! what'd it go. Well if you do that for England, God deserves it even more because what Jesus did for us is even more. And unlike England's goal, we share in the joy for the moment, but we're part of the thing with God. And this is what Habakkuk is saying. This is what the text means. It's not some, you know, namby-pamby kind of, oh, I'm so happy God's my God. It's like, hallelujah, God is on the throne, and I'm going to rejoice in God. And we rejoice in God. And as we rejoice in God, God is our strength. It's like Paul said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. We rejoice in God, and God becomes our strength. We get energy. That's the feet like the feet of the deer. And we have security that's being on the high places. So this is what Habakkuk is saying to himself. That's why he wrote the song. And every time he'd sing the song and every time he'd encourage other people to sing the song, it was to remind us of these things. I will pray for God's revival and merciful compassion. I will remember and proclaim the majesty and transcendence of God. I will rest securely in confidence that the Lord will act and he is going to act. He is going to act. I will rejoice in the Lord who is my strength. That's how we live in this time. That's how we live in this new day as God's people. It's challenging. This is not an easy thing. It can be discouraging. It can stretch us to the limit. It's not easy, but we can do it. And so often you think, Well, does it really matter? Does my life really count? Does my life really make a difference? I can imagine Habakkuk toward the end of his life asking that question. And sometimes I ask that question about my own life. Does it really matter? Does it really count? And there's Habakkuk, having seen his world fall apart, and not see the full vindication of his prophetic word. He gave a word that was fulfilled after he was dead. Not seeing that, you think, gosh, was that just a failure? This is Habakkuk, the guy who said, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. You know, Habakkuk's prophecy influenced the heart of the Apostle Paul in his writings and his theology that phrase the righteous shall live by faith quoted from Habakkuk chapter 2 is quoted three times in the New Testament twice by Paul and once by the writer to Hebrews you think that's pretty cool I guess Habakkuk did have a little bit of an influence and then you think a little bit further forward and the verse quoted by Paul, the righteous shall live by his faith, was actually the key for Martin Luther's conversion in the 1500s and caused Martin Luther to come to a living faith in Jesus Christ, which led to the Reformation. And every single one of us in this room are probably Christians because of the Reformation. The Reformation gave way to what we call Puritanism, or nonconformity, which actually is the foundation of city temple. And instrumental in my life, the righteous shall live by faith is a key ancient word for this new day in which we live. And this man, who may have thought himself a failure, was instrumental a part of God's plan for bringing salvation to the world and as we live as we live in this new day you will be instrumental to God's plan for bringing salvation to this world you may not know how but you will You will, just like Habakkuk. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, help us to remember. Help us to remember your word to us today. We do pray for your revival. We pray that you would show your merciful compassion to us in the midst of this world that is being shaken. Lord, we remember that you are a majestic and transcendent God. You are all-powerful. You are glorious and mighty, and you act for the salvation of your people. And so we rest securely in confidence that you are going to act for our salvation as well because we've seen it time after time in history. And we rejoice because you are our strength. So we resolve right now not to measure our lives by its produce, by its yields, and by its numbers, but to measure our lives by the Jesus who lives in us and who has made us your children. We love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. We honor you for all that you're doing, and and through us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song.